Hello, adventurers, and welcome to the Mike Flayers podcast, coming to you from a bad situation in an, in an inappropriately leveled dungeon. I'm your host, Connor O'Brien, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Martin O'Dwyer. Hey, man. Smooth as sandpaper, Connor. <laughs> no, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm I'm very tired because I was working earlier today, but uh, I'm excited because we're podcasting as always. Um, this is like legitimately is like particularly because we started this in lockdown. This has very quickly become like a highlight of my week. Uh, so I'm I'm always yeah. down. I'm I'm fucking always down to podcast, man. Come on. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the podcast we like we did start it in lockdown, but like the reason. And I, I saw a funny video on Twitter about this journey. There's a guy I watch, I forget his name, Sean something. He's you Irish. Tagged me in yeah, yeah. I did, yeah, yeah. And it's it's like why anybody starts podcasting. Yeah. And it's like a guy and he's in, he's inviting these these duos of friends in and they're all like, So why do you want to start a podcast? Well, we just we like talking to each other. We we love a good chat. And we thought and your man goes, You thought it'd be great for a podcast? Yeah, exactly. And it's like the reason and every single person that comes in has the exact same reason yeah. for behind starting a podcast. But I feel like this legitimizes those two hour conversations we normally have anyway about whatever is happening to D wise in a week. Um Yeah. And also gives us time that we're not just like I feel like we're not texting constantly about stuff because texting obviously takes longer. Yeah. So we we used to text all the time, pretty much all throughout the week. And now I feel like we we meet up, we record ourselves, we talk for a solid hour and a half to two hours about uh, you know whatever's happening D and D wise, what we're doing that week, mm -hmm. uh, and I feel like it it's our therapy, a D and D <laughs> therapy for us in the week. It can it can definitely feel like it some some weeks. Definitely definitely feels like it some weeks. And absolutely, yeah. I think to kind of like there's all like two hours left in my shift, looking at my watch, like okay, cool, got two hours to go, and I'm like ah, uh, but then two hours after the end of this i get to podcast and i'm like yes okay hang on you can do this yeah. you can do this <laughs> we're in episode 14 now by the way uh 15 is it I'm, i, I think, mean no, it's just that wrong i i think so i i i have oh, my, you know what it could it, i think it is 15 uh and i just have my notes wrong yeah um, it, it is it is 15 uh it we're is 15. Good. i yeah as is uh kind of my shtick i have been keeping notes Oh, good man. I keep the date um, and the episode number, so in case this happens. <laughs> so, episode, so fifteen. I mean, we and we've we've missed one week uh, mm -hmm. a few weeks back, um, but I, I mean, that's, that's sixteen weeks. We've done fifteen episodes of a podcast. I'm quite proud of us. Yeah, we're doing, I think we're doing very well. Yeah, like man, like I would do this if nobody watched it. Like this is just crack for me. I but yeah, I knew be Martin. Yeah. Nobody watched this. I know. <laughs> I, well, I, I meant zero rather than our very, very loyal and excellent about 20 odd fans. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. And like, it's, it's nice. It's we nice appreciate the fuck it, out of you people. Thank you. We really do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, we, we uh, have, like I said, we would be doing this anyway, even if we weren't being recorded or if no one was yeah. watching. We just enjoy talking about D&D &D and, and bantering and all that kind of And stuff. having the so opportunity to talk about D&D &D with new people. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Martin, uh, do you find D and D challenging? Yes and no. Sometimes very. What 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 challenge rating would you put on D and D as a hobby? Ooh. Are Trick we... question. Doesn't matter. Challenge rating never works. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, are we taking into account like the money I spend on dice or have spent on dice in the past because that might up the challenge rating a bit I had to work no, for that shit like that was, that was all a setup challenge rating means basically nothing uh, and that's that's kind of what we're talking about today to make that um, point clearer when me and Connor were discussing this episode every time he said CR my brain read critical role 
Yeah, yeah. I I didn't. Uh, I I think I sent you the pitch idea of like why C or is useless. Yeah. And you thought I thought you liked Critical Role. Yeah. I'm like, no, no. Challenge rating. Challenge rating. Yeah. I I thought this is going to be like an episode on how to like set expectations for new players that your game is not going to be critical role and we i was definitely like oh, i'm down to that oh, yeah. at some point. absolutely absolutely but like i was down to that and then you're like no no challenge rating stupid and i was like oh yeah i'm so down to talk about challenge rating <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah we we kind of want to talk about um a little bit about encounter building we talked a little bit about it a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago when we did our video on um making boss encounters feel earned and stuff like that um that was kind of more the dramatic side of things you know yeah. how do you in a story do you make do you kind of build things up this is a bit more uh hard mechanics and specifically talking about uh challenge rating which is how you measure the difficulty of a monster or an encounter and then scale it appropriately to your to your party yeah um how to not kill your friends how to not kill your friends uh, or maybe kill is, some of them it depends what you're looking for <laughs> yeah exactly depends <laughs> what kind of what kind of game you're trying to run um when it comes to challenge rating, I find it can be a helpful, a helpful guide. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 a it's a rough direction about where you want to go, but it's not. It, it very very quickly in in a level one to twenty campaign you're running for your friends, um, it very very quickly loses relevance. Yeah, um, I find maybe levels one to three challenge ratings can be pretty accurate for the most part, um, and you can build some encounters that are adequately scaled and. Uh, you know, appropriately challenge your your players and stuff like that. But um, like I said, very very quickly, uh, challenge rating loses basically all of its uh, its meaning because you end up uh, like uh, I think you and me uh, have a recurring thing where we will create all of our the encounters we create are, are deadly level encounters as per the the rules on D and D Beyond mm-hmm. and in the DMG, and still our players walk through it like it's a, a cakewalk. Yeah, I. I've gotten a little better at the deadly sessions now. Um, the very first time, the very first deadly um, encounter I threw at my party, I had to immediately nerf on the fly because I nearly killed my druid with um, opportunity attacks. Um, so that was that. That was one. I, I've I, that was one time where yeah, I felt see, yeah, I really led me around the garden path there. Um, yeah. but after that, I feel like I've gotten a more refined view. But I think, I think a thing you said there that is really good is actually something that I when I was trying to think of what I wanted to say about CR for this. Um, was actually something that jumped into my head right away and it it's a guideline not a rule um, oh yeah yeah like like pirates code <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry I couldn't, couldn't help myself barbosa i couldn't help myself go on uh, no no i'm i'm it's i'm right about to jump into a pirate arc so yeah i'm i'm all down let's let, let's go down let's go around the oh yeah scenes. yeah i think mike was telling me last night actually i was talking to him last night uh and i think he was telling me that uh that you put a map in front of them and goes, look at all these interesting places. And even though there's something that's kind of directly related I, to his I, character, I just, uh, he's like, but pirates though. And you're like, right. yeah, but in this place, your your home, there's this, he's like, but pirates. Yeah. There's literally two things happening right next to where he's from. One of them literally right beside where he's from and one of them approaching where he's from. And both of them are bad. They're aware yeah. that both of them are bad. But as soon like, as... But pirates. As soon as I mentioned the words pirate warlord <laughs> gone out gone straight like <laughs> the, the pirate elf was like let's fucking do it and then and then mike was like party hello these are this is my 12 step plan and reasoning for why we should go and do this pirate thing <laughs> like 
man. He, he gave like his treatise on why they should go to Yosairiyu and fight this pirate warlord and not once mentioned his actual real reason for doing it which is he fucking loves One Piece and he wants to be Monkey D. Luffy yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah he even told me that as well he was like you were like oh yeah it's kind of a piratey thing with these kind of themes and he's like so One Piece yeah and yeah. you're like ah oh, fine yeah I guess it's kind of like One Piece <laughs> see in One Piece there are uh, like antagonists are called pirate there are specific kinds of antagonists called um, pirate warlords um, also oh, that just that just triggered him I, straight away yeah though. I don't know how I didn't spot it because I read a lot of One Piece back in the day I still kind of keep up to date with what's going on in it and I'm aware of those people as well and somehow I didn't think in a game my absolutely One Piece obsessed one of my best friends who's obsessed with One Piece that uh, mm-hmm. writing the words pirate warlord would immediately make him swerve away from any other plot hints I gave <laughs> Like they're like seventy five percent. If they ever try to put a, yeah. a pirate arc in the game, they're like seventy five percent along the way of one particular quest thread, and they've just abandoned it entirely as well to go to go and be pirates. And do you know what? I'm not even that upset because it'll be a lot of fun having to be pirates. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You get to use all the really cool. Uh... Actually, we talked about it as well that because you did a whole nautical adventure. I got to use it this time. I got to use it. Yeah, after you did a Ghost of Saltmarsh came out. Now you'll actually get to use Ghost. I, of Salt no, Marsh. I did. I did. I used the Ghost of Saltmarsh ship travel rules last week, and I was so happy oh, nice. with them. And I was like, "Wow, this would have been great!" Like two years ago. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I could entirely derail this there with with the pirate stuff. But I was just like, do you know, when you're like, do you know, when you see, I uh, like someone was like. Oh, got man like electrocuted to death while peeing on a on a on an electric fence, and you're like, look at that idiot! How would they ever do that? It was like that level of stupidity or like blindness to like the obvious that I had there. Um, <laughs> sorry, I've entirely lost the plot of what we were talking about there. We were talking about challenge rating. Challenge rating, um, yeah. Oh yeah, because yeah. I nearly killed him in a turn. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. De- definite guideline, not a rule. But one thing I will say is that as like because I'm. Like, this is still my first campaign, but when I was very much starting out, um, stuff, particularly because the D&D Beyond wasn't a thing when I first started building combat encounters. So what I relied on was Cobalt Fight Club, which is actually still really good. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it uses the exact same calculations you would in the book, just like D&D Beyond does. So, exactly. Yeah. So what a lot of the time, what I, what I would do for that is I would set a CR that would be appropriate, and then I would look for monsters that suited the area, and like an area that's appropriate, and I would look for something that cat- caught my attention. And if there wasn't yeah. anything there, I would maybe set the CR one higher and then look through there. Um, and that's kind of how I muddled my way through it. But like, there are like a lot of pitfalls with CR, because certain creatures that are like really low CR can like end you. Like, I, I, I think you and me have very similar notes because I've got some stuff that's I, almost identical to this written down. Oh, I, very quickly before yeah. we jump into that, what you were saying about uh, about Cobalt um, Fight Club, um, fantastic website, yep, yep. brilliant tool. I used it so much uh, in my early days of DMing. One thing it does that um, I don't think you can do on, on DN Beyond is you can set the players you have, the levels of them and all that kind of stuff, then you can set the uh, difficulty level you want for it, and then you can set what type of region they're in, whether it's desert, tundra, grassland, all that stuff, and then you can click generate, and it will randomly generate yes. some creatures that are appropriate for this, and you can just keep spamming it until you get a combination of creatures that looks like a good challenge to you. I, I had forgotten that you could do that on Cobalt Fight Club, but now that you bring that up, that is actually yeah, a lot of how I would came up with like my early combat encounters, is setting it's, the appropriate It's so field. handy. It's so, yeah. so handy. Particularly when you're not sure what to do, because like, I remember like so many of my guys early combat encounters are bandits 
because you can go yeah. bandits anywhere bandits on the road bandits in the trees bandits in the sky fucking bandits everywhere yeah sky bandits Ooh, that sounds like a faction oh that'd be really yeah, yeah absolutely i uh, i started a lot of my um uh my very first campaign that i did with you guys i started in a desert region yes um which there there are some definitely some creatures you can put in a desert environment and stuff like that uh but you want to your grave you know, back in the day cobalt fight them and it's super super easy for me to be like i need something to find them to fight on the road on the way to this other town and i went generate 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 oh here we go um a couple of jackal wares and a handful of jackals so i'm like that'll do just fine you know um and that jackal wares wouldn't have been a very prominent yeah. uh you know monster in my mind but i'm like that that's perfect that fits perfectly yeah, uh, it, I think D and Beyond is like just one step behind that. Like I know you can, you, it has like a load of filters you can apply to your search for for yeah. a monster in it, which is really really good. Um, and that's actually how I use it now. Is that like I'll I'll set a CR and then I'll be like, based on where they are, what could they, what could they come across? And then unless I have a particular kind of thing in mind that I want, and then I'll kind of just look through and see what catches my attention because like like i said I, I think i mentioned before i try not to read too much of the monster manual too um so i'm not so i don't metagame um accidentally for your campaign um which i know yeah. it, it's going to become less and less avoidable as we go on now and um, just as i kind of use more monsters but I, i'd like to slow that process down to retain some of that surprise still and i know like you homebrew a lot still too but at the same time i don't want to you know um Oh no! I mean, I, I, there's, uh, and I, ha I have some talk with some of this later on and how I handle monsters and stuff. But yeah, there's, there's a ton of things I don't, uh, I don't do by the book purposely. I, you know, I, I more or less, especially once you get later, early in the game. Like I said, a lot of the rules that are in the book apply early in the mm -hmm. game, levels one to three, even one to five, and kind of maybe, maybe six, seven, you know. But eventually, they, they teeter out very quickly then, um, and I will follow CR rules. I will follow. The how to generate health for each individual monster, whether I take the average or whether I, you know, roll dice individually or mm -hmm. whatever, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, but then I quickly, again, once we start hitting where we are, like we're at level ten now in yeah. our campaign. Um, I'm pretty much not following anything vanilla. Um, monsters will get an extra attack here or there. Um, I'll almost always max out their health if, as long as I, I don't think it'll be a slog if I want the creature to last. Mm. Uh, stuff like that um, and, and it's a bunch of stuff that I do to uh, because again you guys are at a level now where you're quite powerful uh, and you breeze through most deadly encounters um, so I, I need to do a few stuff here and there to kind of like just keep the challenge up and it's, it's only going to get worse and I know this because I did this on the <laughs> campaign already before it's only going to get worse as we get uh, get closer to 20 but uh, I do feel bad every yeah. time I action surge now because I can just see like a light go in your eyes <laughs> I'm just like oh, oh yeah what, what do we call it we call it the lug maneuver yeah, action surge uh, and giant might uh, action surge giant might four attacks one three, two three four three battle master all, moves I <laughs> burn all three of your battle master uh, things at the same time uh, what did you 96 points of damage in that one oh, you yeah. fought the beholder uh, yeah 96 yeah yeah yeah. I mean that was I mean that for that was bloody crazy damage okay. was right uh, that it was but that was also with like the flame rune with an extra 2d6 so I, yeah I, I took full advantage of the tools you gave me in that as well like that's not yeah. a, that's not going to be a super common thing for me yet yes <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um, so like a, a couple things like, like I said with CR I find it's a good rule to have levels one to three and if you're a new dm definitely use it as a guideline one thousand percent 
yeah and in my experience you'll you'll get a you'll get a kind of sixth sense or you'll get a feel for it you where you can almost judge how a challenge or how an encounter will play out just by gut feeling or in your head more so than if you follow the numbers yeah. um because we'll say cr doesn't doesn't account for magic items no, at all not at all and when you're levels one to five that's that's not a big deal you maybe only have one or two magic items in the party when you go levels 10 15 close to 20 your every person is probably going to be attuned to three full magic items and then a couple other non-attunable items here and there yeah. as well and, and that, that massively bumps up a party's not just damage output but just their survivability and, and stuff like that 100 that's not even taking into account stuff you definitely have by like level 15 16 which is like spell scrolls or like single use magic items stuff like that where like they're not going to do damage but like a scroll of flying is going to on like a scroll of flying on your like heavy armor wearing like fighter is going to make a big difference fighting a dragon um if you know versus if they don't have it it's it's really unimpacted so yeah it it definitely doesn't doesn't take everything into account but i would i would definitely say that like and, and from my experience with it i did find it extremely useful just to have that as like a guiding hand for what i was trying to build for like Again, probably mostly those, yeah, we'll say, like, what levels... I, I hung on to it for a bit longer than you, um, so I would say probably, like, levels 1 to probably up around 7 or 8, I was still sticking pretty close to CR, but now I did find towards the end of that that, yeah, my guys were walking through everything like they were made of paper, which is when I started to kind of crank up the difficulty a bit, and I think I'm, I'm getting a yeah. lot more satisfying combats, both for me and the players now because of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned a little while ago um, that there's some monsters that regardless of CR, they might even be relatively low CR, but there's some monsters that have certain abilities and stuff like that, that it doesn't matter whether you're fighting uh, a level 1 character or a level 17 character, mm-hmm. these abilities can be super, super deadly. Um, or even just like, they can kind of put the, the situation into a bit of a death spiral. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. I, I have three monsters I've written down here on my notes. I'm curious what 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 ones come to mind for you uh, when you think about monsters that are, even though they're maybe a low challenge rating, they kind of they they might end a part like they might take out a low level party really really easily. Right. We're, oh god! I accidentally flashed up a different thing there. Um, that's that's fine. <laughs> uh, we will have to do Connor. You're gonna have to do a tiny bit of editing. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to. Oh, the screen I, will probably go black for a second. It's fine. I have D and D Beyond on my phone. That's grand. Because uh, I was, I was going to pull up um, the monsters there just to look at the low CR because I need to check CRs. But there are two creatures I can think of off the top of my head that I have like, they're very low level. One of them is below yeah. one CR, and both of them could fucking wipe a party of level five adventures. God, hit me. Uh, and both of them are like I said, like it's like these monsters are my PTSD. And it was like I've been in Nam. Like it's a uh, the Banshee and Shadows. Oh, Banshee is one I missed, but Shadows is the first one I thought of. So, uh, so with Shadows, they have uh, a thing. They're, they're only a, a, a CR half creature. Mm-hmm. Which, if you're making up challenges or challenge uh, encounters for um, you know level one, level two parties, that seems totally appropriate. No, they're they only they get no, <laughs> they get one <laughs> claw attack, right? Which does two d six plus two necrotic damage. That's that's fairly hefty for low level parties in and of itself. Mm-hmm. If you get hit by that, you then need to make I believe it's a a con save. Oh no, actually I don't think you do. I think you just take. It just the, happens, doesn't it? 
I think it just happens. One second now. I think, I is, is, isn't it like you take necrotic damage and your strength score is reduced by... A D4. Uh, which is yeah, huge. No save. no save. So so here's the thing with this, right? You take 2d6 plus 2. Again, that's potentially 14 points in necrotic, which for a low-level party, particularly like a wizard or something like that, mm -hmm. could be the end game for you. When you lose with this uh, strength drain thing, it basically reduces your strength score by a D4, uh, which doesn't seem like a lot. D D4 is the smallest of the dice. In your head, maybe that, that makes you think it's not a lot. Most most uh, characters go 20 levels, never really increasing their strength score at all. Mm -hmm. Someone might pay, You might pick an ASI here or there, so you might jump up by 2 or 4 uh, in your strength score, but... Realistically, you, a lot of I've I've known a lot of players just to get sixteen or eighteen strength and be happy enough with that for the campaign. Um, so, and here's the thing, right? You're a wizard, uh, or maybe a rogue or something like that. Um, strength is not something you you need. But what you if I'm a super want, buff wizard? What if I'm a muscle <laughs> wizard? <laughs> we talked about this last week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, so, you don't need to have it. Like for example, in our last campaign. Uh, Sage mm -hmm. uh, was a, a monk. She only had eight strength for the entirety of the campaign. She yeah. never needed to have any more strength. She never put the ASIs or anything like that. She just stuck with eight strength for the entirety of the I think campaign. You'll find, I think you'll find most people who play Rogue would have that as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, And again, Wizard and there's a bunch of other ones you absolutely do not need if you want to put your stats elsewhere uh, for your character. That means that you, uh, like you can potentially be killed outright because if your strength score gets reduced to zero, you're dead. You die. There's no death saves like that. You yeah. straight out die. Um, again, with eight, you could roll two fours, or even even like just taking like averages, three die, three hits from a thing could kill you if the damage rolled on the necrotic isn't enough. Oh yeah, the strength drain fucking would be, you know. Um, and then on top of that, if you're a strength based character like a paladin or a fighter or a barbarian or whatever, um, not only do you 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 probably have more survivability as a result of having higher strength. But if you lose a D4 here and there each round, every single time that you hit, or you get hit, I should say, your strength score is reduced. That means that when you go to hit next round, you have less chance of hitting that shadow because your strength score, which you use for your weapon, is now reduced. And then that means that you have less chance of hitting them, so it's more likely they will survive, and more likely they will hit you again on the next round. And then if that reduces again, you're even less likely to hit them. And that's just how it turns into a death spiral. Once you start getting yeah. hit by them... You, it just spirals down and down and down and it's, it's a very quick uh, way to end the party very easily and as well if you're strength based not only does it get harder to hit them but even when you do hit them now suddenly you do two four five less damage yeah exactly because yeah, your modifier is going to be reduced and maybe even bumped into a negative at a certain yeah. point so now you're rolling like i mean at a, at a you... second or third level party you have a plus two proficiency if you go to six or seven or lower actually in your strength score, it's a minus two, meaning you're now rolling a flat 20 because mm. your proficiency and strength will cancel out. You're rolling a flat 20 to try and hit them. And also, if you hit with your weapon, you only get the dice damage. You don't get uh, any any bonus or modifier yeah. to it. Uh, something I just thought of there, and it's not something I've encountered a lot because generally I play, like, I, I generally if I, if I play a strengthy character, um, if you did, they're strong enough to wear the heavy armor. But uh, say, say, like, you're wearing plate and you have... 16 strength and you get you get tagged by a shadow twice and each time it takes you down it's a 16 strength it takes you down two each time so you lose you lose four you go down to 12 strength 
yeah by the rules of the game you can't wear your armor anymore i think what happens is or do you, you just get disadvantage yeah yeah so now you can't hit as so easily you do less again, yeah. damage now your armor is too heavy for you to make attacks properly and jesus it just yeah the death, death spiral oh. is the word I, I never i never actually considered that because yeah you wouldn't even have to go to the minus seven nope. to outdo your proficiency you would just need to drop down to less than 13, 13. I yeah say Thir is. 13 is the threshold yeah so if you go 13 or do you, if you go 12 or lower you have disadvantage in all your attacks and less modifier and less damage and yeah exactly it just spirals so yeah. quickly don't get me wrong shadows are really really yeah. cool and they can really terrify a party because yeah. of what they do oh god but, like, um, the reason i still remember that is because i got hit by a shadow a couple of times and was like what the fuck i can't hit anything now <laughs> like, yeah exactly yeah uh oh that's actually true we fought them in our very first campaign inside mm -hmm. of a keep yeah a banquet or something and a bunch of shadows showed up um and they were they were tough oh they were really yeah. tough i was um, very grateful for my dexterity based range support in that fight because i was just like i can't hit anything and it's killing me and then just the artillery came in from the sides <laughs> and i yeah. was very grateful but again i i think it, i was playing Bastine. i only had like a 12 mm. so i could have been finished off in three or four hits uh if they came after me more i'm lucky they were aggroing the bigger tankier fellas yes and i could hang back throw arrows at them and stuff but that could have ended uh very very differently for any member of the party yeah and like the banshee then might be in my other one uh is for yeah, one completely based on the banshee <laughs> yeah it's, it's so ridiculous. no you're grand um uh, but like the banshee being my other one then is for one reason and one reason only and that is its whale uh it's a i think it's a dc 14 wisdom save it's not terribly high but it's yeah. still it's a dc 13 oh okay close close it's been a while yeah. i actually i used the banshee it's this all, campaign all creatures within 30 feet that can hear hmm. uh must make the must make the save um on a on a failure you just drop to zero flat out even on a success you take 3d6 psychic damage which yeah. again they're a they're challenge rating four they're a little bit higher but even like a, I mean, that's a relatively, just off the top of my head, that's probably a fairly balanced one for like a second or third level party. Yeah. Um, you don't have access to Revivify. No. Um, you probably don't have many spell slots or potions accessible you to you. So if you drop the druid or a cleric. Exactly. Yeah. Or or like just someone, anyone who can stabilize you, but like even no, the I, psychic damage. I and, mean, for the for oh. the wisdom, like for the for the wisdom save and the healing. Um, but yeah, like oh, it's a it's a, it's a concept. Oh, can't save. Sorry, can't save. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But like, Jesus, like, if you just had bad rolls, technically speaking, a banshee can wipe a twentieth level party. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the same thing with the with the shadows. Like I said, like you can go levels one to twenty uh, with an eighteen strength, and that's perfectly adequate at both those ends of that of that scale. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like again, if you happen to go up against a couple of shadows and they just happen to get a couple of lucky rolls, suddenly you're fighting with eleven strength instead. Um, and you might again at 28 level you might take them out pretty easily but again if there's a swarm of them or enough yeah. of them that they hit one person three or four times you're, you're either in a situation where you could drop to zero and die or you might just end up having six strength until you can long rest you yeah. know or short rest i forget which one of those uh i think it's a, i think it's i would hope it's a short rest but i think it's a long rest uh, i'm gonna double check now <laughs> uh yeah. it is uh short or long so short short would be fine yeah but still that's that's still pretty substantial they're uh, even little fuckers is what we're trying to say yeah i'm <laughs> is it wrong that the more i talk about them the more i want to put them into the campaign <laughs> like you can do you can do it you can absolutely do it 
I'll just take that out in the next boss you make. Like, doesn't doesn't uh, Arkham Dan's character have like seven strength or something like that? I, I might if I look at him the wrong way, he might die from this. <laughs> yeah, he, I do. I do just think remember him saying he built him to be like physically completely fragile. So oh sh- yeah, yeah, a shadow would not do well for him. No, sir. <laughs> in in this situation, if you said a shadow killed Arkham, it could be one of these shadows, or it could just be a genuine shadow. That's how physically like weak uh, Arkham is. He's great, great uh, mental stats, but yeah. uh, physically, no. Um, um, the mind yeah. of Professor Xavier and the body of Professor Xavier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I think that was something myself and Dan talked about at some point about the idea of him having some, him kind of floating around and and mm. being Xavier-like, maybe having a wheelchair true. of some kind. Um, I, I can't remember. I think we talked about it at some point. Um, there is another creature, uh, and this one actually I've used personally against. You guys, when I want to say you were like level nine or ten, okay. um, and they they held their own because of a particular ability that they have. Um, CR one creature, ghouls. I, I you know when you said because of a particular ability, I was like, it's definitely not undead. But yeah, ghouls are ghouls are nasty. I I, I remember yeah. that fight as well. I think we we got like yeah. swarmed by a couple. We, so the the fight was in the previous campaign. Your paladin Eru was from a place called Alatira, um, and. You guys went down. Basically, the party was split, <laughs> which was right from the get-go, not a great idea. But um, and we did you... that again this campaign. Oh my god! <laughs> it did actually. I love running two fights at the same time. It looks great. Um, but uh, Aerith, uh, sorry, not Aerith, um, Eru, your character, um, Sage and Drunin, so the uh, the paladin, the monk, and the rogue went down to the to the harbor to stop the first wave or whatever mm-hmm. and then the sorcerer and the uh, arcane trickster stayed behind in the fort so i ran through two fights on the in the harbor the first thing i had two stages planned for that the first stage is that a bunch of kind of low level undead relative to you guys i mean what challenge rating of one is fairly low level mm-hmm. for um for a bunch of level 10 characters even even only three of them should in theory be able to handle that pretty easy uh, you guys got rubbish dice rolls for ages, and these things, even though I think it's it's a relatively low uh, DC to avoid their paralysis ability, they still ended up uh, paralyzing you guys and getting some uh, crits then, because I think when you're paralyzed, any melee attack is a crit. I think it's a crit, yeah. So like you, you guys are getting hit really hard, uh, and I put that in as again, like if this had been a low level encounter. That would have been seriously, seriously deadly. Um, yes. But I put this in because I'm like, I know this is the first wave of undead. These are basically minions. I want you guys to come in and just smack these guys around, burn a couple key points, burn a smite or two, and then I'm going to bring in the big bad and you're going to fight him. Uh, it went on way longer with just the ghouls than I had intended it to, and it's because you guys had low rolls. You got par- paralyzed a few times. Uh uh, you got critted on a few times as a result. And you actually lost a substantial amount of hit points between oh, yeah. you uh, and stuff like that. It, the, the fight, again, if I was to do this up in the challenge rating system, the, the system would have told me, yeah, about the three level 10 characters will wipe the floor with these ghouls. But the dice weren't with you, and the, because of the par- paralysis ability, yeah. and like, substantial. I even got extra damage on those guys. Because they were undead, yeah. yeah. And still, no, yep. gee, oh, I like, I distinct, like, I distinct, that's one of the, I distinctly remember that, like, just being like, this is bad, this is, because I, I think at one point there was like three of us there, I think two of us were paralyzed, and I was like, only one more person needs to get paralyzed, and the three of us have just lost our characters, like, we're done for. 
it would have been really really bad um <laughs> and the thing is again these were the these were the what you got the cannon father you yeah. guys are meant to run in so you guys can just mess them up and frontline infantry get your get your boots wet yeah and uh and, but then at, while this is happening there is a demon like a huge demon with an enormous uh, red glowing greatsword and a death tyrant hovering about 80 or 100 feet above you in the air watching the whole fight take place and they're waiting for their moment to come in they're like let them let them you know our, our creatures soften them up and then we'll go in and sort them out and i and it got to a point where i was kind of going do i even need to send these two <laughs> in at this point i mean it's pretty rough um they're another one right so ghouls because of personal experience ghouls can be really really tough like that uh there's one that is honestly i i find it hard to use because the rules are kind of weird surrounding it okay and also because int is not a stat a lot of classes rely on oh can i guess cool is it the intellect of our it's the intellect oh i fucking hate these things (laughs) i've never fought them but i never want to (laughs) Oh no, we so, yeah, have exactly. we have fought him. We fought him in campaign one, and I still don't want to fight him again. <laughs> Did you fight him in campaign one? Yeah, come on, on the on the mothership or something. Uh, on the way to, I think it was just before we got the Narvine, we fought them. Yeah, because one of them okay. zapped Eru pretty bad at one stage. I remember, and, and I I just remember because you were like, "Yeah, it's a brain with feet." <laughs> yeah, there's uh, actually I, I mentioned this guy last week as well. There's a guy <coughs> named Arcane Forge on YouTube, and he does uh, drawings of all the monsters, his own interpretations of them. His version of an intellect devourer is really, really metal, but also so cool. It's just really awesome. Um, instead of giving them like dog feet, like they do in the regular art, right. he gives them these spiky kind of spider legs, oh. like four of those, and then the brain stem that comes out hooks up and around like a scorpion's tail oh no i don't like that <laughs> it's su- it, like, I, i'll send you a link afterwards it's really really good um but he has, he has some amazing um uh interpretations of monsters in the book i absolutely love them um and yeah that's one of them i think the, like it, how like how do you invent how do you reinvent something so it's a brain with feet how do you reinvent that so beautifully into this horrific uh thing where the spine ends up becoming a sp- scorpion tail style it's so oh it's great. actually very like hr geiger actually that they're like biomechanical like it, they, it at least in, in my head how the spider legs look they look like almost you know darth maul clone wars style yeah oh very like that very like that yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, like I'm, or if you play uh, jack and dax or jack well jack 2 renegade or jack 3 the metal heads there's these scorpion metal heads that are in that that look very similar as well yeah no I, i've never played jack but um yeah, jeez, I'm not oh. even. I'm not even. Uh, I'm not even like uh, weirded out by like spiders or, or scorpions or anything like that. But just, just that particular. Because I think I think it's because like the fact that it's got the brainstem hooked like a thing makes me mm. think is it gonna like does it like lep on you and then just like brainstem into your brainstem and that's how it controls you. I mean, it's almost like a face hugger in that regard because they have yeah. a t- the face huggers have a tail that wraps around your neck so they can try to it's a really strong prehensile tail so they can try to pull themselves onto your face uh and it kind of reminded me of that as well I, and like man to look at a face hugger they're kind of creepy to mm-hmm. see them move in the movies oh, the way they just kind of flail like that is horrifying it's the worst part about them is the way they just flop around all yeah. like frantically as they're coming after you oh or um just because it's reminding me of it, it, it that that the uh 
the way he, you've described it there, the intellectual hour sounds like a, like a high science version of that bit in the thing when they set the body on fire and the head separates itself <coughs> and like goes like boop, boop, onto the ground, yeah. upside down. And then those huge spider legs just <coughs> out, of, out, out of the four corners of it. Oh. Isn't the head upside down as well? Yeah, so. it is. It's upside yeah, down yeah. and screaming, and two little and two little like crab eye stalks Dogs. come up out of yeah. the neck hole. Oh God, man! Yeah, it's it's, it's very very like that. John um, Carpenter, you're a fucked up genius, and I love you. <laughs> so like yeah, so they for those who are kind of maybe a bit unfamiliar, uh, the intellect devourer. It's a challenge rating two, so it's the highest of the uh, of the challenge rating creatures we've looked at in in these low level, and that's challenge rating two is still Banshee? very low level. Um, sorry, Banshee. Oh, sorry, that's, yeah, sorry, that's challenge rating four. I, sorry, I, yeah. I, I would actually say, though, I am more scared by intellect virus than I am by a banshee. Mm. Uh, but I think it's the body horror element. A banshee will just kill you with a scream, whereas the body horror element of uh, intellect virus where they burrow into yeah, your skull. Yeah, they're, is they're really... a much more visceral threat than a banshee. A banshee yeah. is like, I'm going to scream and you're all going to die. But like an intellect virus is like, I'm going to climb into your skull. <laughs> Yeah, and devour your brain, and then I will be your new brain, and I will control your body. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really, it's brilliant stuff. It's it's one of my, it's some of the lore around mind flayers. Not yeah. I, I absolutely love. It's, but it's mind flayers of like all the best things about space and all the worst things about parasites, and it's just <laughs> there's a so the way that they work right is that uh, I'll bring them up here altogether. Uh, so Carter. yeah, it's basically they do an attack called devour intellect. Mm-hmm. Uh, hence their hence their name sorry no, can't multitask um and they have a thing where they'll basically try to they'll roll 3d6 uh so yeah so what they do is they do an attack you must succeed a dc12 intelligence save or take 2d10 psychic which is you know substantial and psychic is something that virtually mm. no one is resistant to so pretty good and then also on a failure roll 3d6 if the total equals or exceeds the target's intelligence score the score is reduced to zero. That target is stunned until it regains at least one hit point. So two things are scary about this. One, like I said, not a lot of classes uh, have high int scores. Mm-hmm. Wizards, artificers, arcane tricksters, that's about it. 3d6 could mean 18 int, which again, not a lot of characters unless you're a wizard or something would have 18 int. Uh, so that's scary in and of itself. The part about this that even as a DM, I'm like, I don't know if I how to use this because I wouldn't know what to tell the players if they asked me. Um, you're stunned until you regain at least one point of intelligence. You're not told how to do that. It's not like, it doesn't say you need greater restoration. It doesn't say you need a wish spell. It just says until you receive a point of intelligence, but it does not tell you how you get that intelligence back. I, I think I'd rule a greater restoration allowed to I w- do it. I would too. But I also, too, but a greater a, restoration a is a fifth level spell. And these yeah. are, what's your again? Two? Two. So, reasonably speaking... You could put one of those up against four level two characters, technically, yeah. by how CR works. Uh, uh, and then, like, they also have an ability called Body Thief, where they Sorry, can four basically... level four, four level four, isn't it? Because it's the, it's the average level of your party, so it'd be four level four character. No, if they're, they're CR two. I mean, never mind. Go on. You had a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say they also have the ability of uh, of uh, Body Thief. Where they can, if you're incapacitated, they basically make an, a, a, an intelligence contest with the incapacitated humanoid. That's um, with your reduced it, intelligence as well from the fucking failed saving throw. Oh yeah, and like, well, I mean, that doesn't it doesn't work quite like the shadows. It, it, they roll three d six. If your intelligence is lower than oh, what sorry, you roll, I, yeah. then you you intellect devoured. Um, if it's 
if it isn't, if let's say you have a 14 and they roll an 11, that has no effect. Right. That particular thing just does nothing in that case. Um, but then they can just they can magically consume your brain and they teleport into your skull and take control of your body. So you could end up very quickly in a situation where if you get dropped to zero hit points around these things, they're going to go, hey, that's a vacant body. And they're going to run up and try to get into it. And if they do, again, they're going to occupy your body. And all of a sudden, then that's also the kind of thing where like, I don't think you can just... I think you have to do like protection from good and from evil and good to expel it from the body, but then you need something else to regrow the brain, like a it's a wish spell. I'm just reading it here. Is it's it like only a wish? Uh, the target regains its devoured brain by means of a wish. So not even like regenerate would do it. Uh, I would maybe rule that would be fine, but a, a wish spell is what it says on the on the stat block. Yeah. So you, you, not only would you not only would your character potentially not survive the encounter. You might then be fighting your level two or three or five oh paladin God, or something yeah. like that as a bad guy controlled by one of these things. God forbid you like you you feel like you're you're about to finish the fight. You're like everyone's low. Your tank fails the intellect save and gets brain jacked, and then suddenly your tank is turning on the party now. Yeah, it's oh. oh Intellect hours are scary, scary things. Yeah, I um, think anything like that that does like anything like that where like. It steals your soul and replace and replaces it, or it steals your mind and and, and puts its own consciousness in there, or, like or crawls into your brain like a fucking oh god, it's just a nightmare, isn't it? Like, mm. yeah, anything that does that that like destroys the body or like a vital part of the body is just such a such a fear when it comes to D and D, like yeah. So like a any of these things again, that kind of falls under that uh, ability to devour intellect falls under the same category as um as like it's only a dc12 so it's not terribly high but it yeah. falls under the same category as someone who's like let's say like even if you're level 15 16 17 you're barb typically people tend to have barbs that are not very intelligent but you can also have like any other person maybe a fighter you might have a rogue or a, a bard who has high charisma but not high intelligence uh, Eru had um, nine intelligence the entire time from level one to level 20 so then you would have had a minus one check to try and contest the intelligence save and then you would have taken 2d6 psychic or 2d10 psychic and then roll 3d6 all i needed to beat was a nine on averages alone you beat a nine with that 3d6 yeah yeah so that that's your that's your intelligence dropped your body just stunned and incapacitated uh yeah and again that would have been something that even a level 20 party could potentially be one character could potentially be done by this thing and they have low hit points obviously you can take them out quite quickly but if you don't or if you miss the shot because of that one or something like that if they get a turn in the in the initiative it's potentially game over for a character yeah depending on how things go you know yeah it's yeah anything because there's so few things based around int in D D. um even yeah. for even on the player side like there's very few classes that are based in int outside of outside of the wizard that like the fact that they just hardcore attack that and go for it mm -hmm. like that's what makes like that's what makes me like yeah there is cr2 but like i feel like joe you probably i would hope that you'd common sense your way through it enough to be like okay these things clearly shouldn't be in the tavern like these these are going to be underground they're going to be wait like unless the slurm factory is in your town these should not be in your town <laughs> oh that could be an interesting encounter <laughs> Ooh. Okay, I just, okay, I just thought of a terrible idea for a one-shot. Um, 
of you go to like a factory and it's secretly being run by mind flayers and the the I don't know drinks or whatever that they produce there and they're selling um are all all have tadpoles in them so when you drink it you you it, they're infecting Whoa. thousands of people at a time to become mind flayers silent green that's the uh silent green is people isn't it yeah but i'm saying like if yeah. you want a tadpole like, oh yeah mind flare tadpole. god did mind flare tadpoles also fucking skeeve me out something fierce particularly yeah I've if if, if you, any of you have ever played Baldur's Gate three, the opening cutscene of Baldur's Gate three, your character gets a tadpole, oh, a tadpole put in their head, and oh my god, like I would watch the most horrifying horror movies and not really flinch at them, but like the bit where they put that tadpole on your eyeball and you see the thing like lean its head back and its mouth opens and all the teeth like spin around like a saw and it goes down and the camera is oh god oh, oh god a bit on the other person before they do it from your perspective from your camera they even have it on their finger and they put it up near the eye of the other person the gith who's in the chamber with you mm-hmm. what freaks me out about it is it goes but then it goes flat like a flatworm yeah it, like its body goes really flat so it can slink in under the eyelid oh, oh man it's so there's I, th- I, I still haven't played that game by the way I'm holding off until they release the game in, in a substantial enough play that I can at least play start to finish i yeah. don't mind if all the classes are there but hey, i, I know that only a, about it we could start a mike flares playthrough of baldur's gate i am down for that yeah um because i would i would i would and actually could they have a great thing where you can do that on stream yeah um and you, you can vote on what you think people should do in the moment yeah so yeah, that, yeah. that'd be really, really cool yeah that'd be awesome um yeah there's a yeah. if you want to ever sleep again don't ever look <laughs> up um because do you know the way you're saying the way it like goes flat and goes in, and went inside the eyeball like really really freaked you out i'm not gonna enjoy this go on um there's a video of a leech getting into a lobster and it does that it like Under, underneath the shell guy it like flattens itself out and do you know the joe you know, like the front part of the lobster that they like break off when they're serving it where like do you know the yeah. ta- where, where the tail meets the upper half of the shell and there's that little kind of a crease there the yeah. leech is literally was like and then just flattens itself out completely and just like a credit card under a door and i felt oh my god i wanted to take a million showers and set myself on fire at the same time (laughs) and that would still be less deadly than (laughs) if you faced any of these four creatures yes i would Um, not like to fight a banshee a shadow or an intellect of our or a ghoul or a ghoul christ not a ghoul ghouls are a favorite of mine i just love ghouls i think they're such great such a great um such a great undead they were, um, they were used really really well in Shadow of Mordor I found because they were like, you know, like individually they were like yeah, whatever fucking just one sword slash and it dies but then you have to go into a ghoul cave and there's like 30 of them and you're like chick 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 and same thing applies in D&D one ghoul not that scary but if there's yeah. like 10 maybe run yeah so these are geez, there's more there's definitely more than this but these are just some examples of uh, creatures because of certain abilities that they have um, that could potentially it doesn't matter about the challenge rating of your party these creatures could potentially uh, end an entire party very very quickly um, so that's a, a prime example of why like CR doesn't really work in the yeah. long run like I said it's a great framework if you're, if you're especially if you're a new DM it's a great way for you to get your feet wet and kind of get a feel for you know creating encounters Um but don't don't live by it. Uh, I find yeah. that depending on the creature, it can be like any of these could end up being a very very deadly encounter, even if you don't mean it to. Totally. And then other times, if you, you when you get later in the game, you might be making hard or deadly encounters that actually aren't that hard or deadly, and your party just walk through them no problem because it's it's more about action economy 
which is to say, for anyone who doesn't know, it's more about the amount of attacks that are happening on either side of the of the, of the combat. So your players, especially level five and up, are probably going to be making two attacks, and if there's four of them, you're talking about maybe seven or eight attacks around, depending on class and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you realistically, if they're fighting a monster of some kind or multiple monsters, those monsters should have approximately the same amount of attacks in order to make the challenge as equal as possible. And there's going to be some factors like your party might have a, a Frostbrand Dagger and get an extra D6 cold damage, which is obviously going to you know boost things in favor of your party. But uh, I mean, like anytime you find yourself in a position where you have, especially when it's a single monster, it's why Hydras are so great. If mm. you have a single monster uh, that only gets one or two attacks around, but you have four or five players, at the very most, they can only hit two of those players. Whereas if you have something like a Hydra, they might have multiple heads, and then each head gets a D10 bite attack, and you can you could potentially hit all members of the party and stuff like that. So they're great for like an action economy thing. Um, but yeah, uh, is there any 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 encounters you had, Martin, where uh, you set up the players and been like, this is gonna be really cool. I like this monster now and stuff like that. And then the players, it literally it's a round and they wreck all the bad guys instantly. They've definitely done it because. There was there was a time when I had two rogues in my party, so it, it definitely happened. Um, Been there, been there. <laughs> yeah, they've 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 vaporized a lot of things. Come to think of it now, but I suppose if it, if it was to be, I'm trying to think now of like encounters I've I've done for my guys recently. In the previous campaign, uh, I had two rogues, uh, one using a, a longbow. <clears throat> I had you as a paladin using a, a ton of smites. And then I also had a, a sorcerer who knew disintegrate and a bunch of other high level spells. Um, the the one person who didn't give me any trouble was actually the the monk. Um, she could do a, a fair few punches. She did decent damage, but you guys all had these ridiculous like rolling multiple d sixes for disintegrate and sneak attack, and then you rolling d eights. You crit and go, oh that's a that's a crit. I'm gonna do a fourth level smite, <laughs> yeah. and then you just double all the damage dice. So like, there's definitely been encounters where I've been like. Here, fight this uh this really big awesome bad guy and he's he's brimming with muscle and you see he's got fangs and claws and you're like fourth level smite and then someone else is like sneak attack and the other rogue is like i also sneak attack yeah. and then mike is like disintegrate and i'm like well that was one round of combat thanks very much <laughs> it's uh it's a bit like it's party is i can sneak attack no i can sneak attack no i can sneak attack <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm legitimately I'm going to uh, give me two seconds I can, I'm can. i actually pulling up my, my DM notes so I can look um, oh okay. yes yes sorry I literally just remembered because I just saw my folder with, like, episode, with uh, sessions 1 to 10 on it um, the first boss fight I ever made for them uh, this was actually with a different party composition this is when I had two rogues so I had uh, I had the swashbuckler rogue I had a thief rogue I had a moon druid and then i had a draconic lineage blue dragon sorcerer um i still have the swashbuckler and the blue dragon sorcerer the other two um left the party and i got the blood on blood under the druid instead but um their first thing i did like a, a blair witch style arc with them where people were going missing in this village and people weren't able to sleep because of nightmares <laughs> weird how that comes around again doesn't it um <laughs> Uh, but people weren't able to sleep because of nightmares and then people started seeing like weird visions of like this woman appearing in the fog on on the marsh um on, on this well, I'm sorry that this place was uh, was built on 
um, and came shooting it, and it, it was a green hag living on a cranog in the middle of the swamp, but her house was covered in um, mist, so no one could see it, and it was right out in the middle, and because, I, I you know, like a cranog, the way they're set up is that they're, they're like fairly inconspicuous big stones left underneath the surface to make like a path of yeah. stepping stones across the water out to the fort but only the occupants know how they how, where the stones are exactly yeah. so i was like that would be a sick idea for a villain hideout um so what actually that's fair i did that good. and then i did like kind of a house of horrors thing with them as they were going through finding different things finding some of the victims but then it came to the fight and the druid had a the moon druid had a staff of the python so um and I think the it was a green hag, and the green hag I think only has like one attack around, and that's actually it can do an attack or it can do invisible, it can turn invisible, it can shape shift and other things. It's got a lot of cool abilities, um, but one thing it doesn't have a, an awful lot of is strength. Um, so yeah. on the druid's turn, she goes, "All right, I'm gonna turn my staff of the poison into a constrictor snake," and I was like, "All right, the snake goes goes on on uh, goes on immediately after your turn. What do you want snake to do?" She's like okay so uh i'm gonna cast this spell and then on the snake's turn once the spell hits her he's gonna go up and while she's distracted by the spell the snake is going to grapple her it's going to wrap itself around her right yeah and i was like yeah it's a constrictor snake literally what it's bred and born and bred to do does it yeah i rolled like a three on the strength contest for the hag <laughs> so this python just like wraps it up like in my head it was like cartoon style wraps it up like arms pressed to the chest and stuff yeah and yeah. like she could go invisible but then there'd just be a floating fucking snake yeah <laughs> <laughs> right and like i was there and i was trying uh, so i did the odd attack i attacked the snake and stuff but the problem is that she really could not break this fucking grapple for the life of her and like i think i got two rounds i think i got two rounds out of them and i think they were like level I think they might have been level four level four yeah i think level four five at the very very most um when i said when i sent him up against the hag and like literally two rounds absolutely destroyed her because the grapple happened and then like i had to use actions to try and get out of it instead of attacking the party or fleeing yeah, yeah. and again action economy is a thing and yeah two rogues moon druid sorcerer they fucking annihilated that hag in like two rounds. Yeah. Oh god, it was and like, like you I, said, the action economy is so important. And when you're burning your action every turn just to escape an effect or she, overcome something that the players have done, she died wrapped in the snake, and the druid had the snake eater. <laughs> just to add insult to injury, I love that though. Yeah, that's not the first time your your carry your party has been like, let's feed the bad guy to something. <laughs> The with second, the shark thing okay the second time that was a party member eating someone when they were polymorph as a, as a shark, shark when he was <laughs> yeah. polymorph yeah yeah, yeah. but a after that um, Percy the Python that was his name um, became quite an integral part of the druid's battle strategy she, it, it, like, it, it evolved from I'm going to turn my staff my snake staff into an actual snake and have the snake wrap people up into I can turn into a giant ape now and that's been the story of my campaign since <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gotta love those druids, man. Uh, I would love to play a druid. Druids are uh, fun as hell. Druids are... Uh, and the best, one of the best parts about them, similarly to uh, uh, clerics, is that they get to swap their spells out daily. Yes. Uh, which means, like, you can you can be playing one way, you know, the first day, and then the second day you can get rid of everything you don't like in their spells uh, and pick them all back up again and be able to do, like, 
you might be like, oh, I took this, this, and this. I didn't really like the spell, so I'm going to drop that and take this instead. And you can have an entirely different play style the next day. It's like the biggest advantage you can have if you know where you're going or what you're going to need to do. Exactly, yeah, exactly. There's definitely there's spells, particularly when you're looking at like uh, clerics. Yeah. If you know you're going up against undead or demons, you can be like, I know that this, this, and this are really, really effective against undead and demons. I'm going to take those spells today because we know we're going into yeah. the hell portal or into the into the crypts and or whatever it is, uh, yeah. and you can prep for stuff like that really, really easily. Uh, as opposed to sorcerers, which as much as I like sorcerers, the fact you only get to choose your spells on a level up is really, really restricting. Uh, yeah you think you'd be able to do more with that considering their whole thing is like they have a font of magic inside them and they're they're able to use their own natural magics to like modify spells it, is it only it is only on a level up yeah that you can change your spells on a level up oh no i was gonna say is it only them or is this can bards do it uh bards no. i think are i think bards clerics paladins and druids are all wizards can technically as well but they have a a limited list they get to select from but i think Uh, all i think all of those are long rest casters that can change their spells every day although bard i think might be if if there was anyone there i'd say probably doesn't maybe bard but like all of the divine classes can do it um cleric bar uh, cleric and paladin can both do it and druid can do it um actually no bards can't bards are level up as well yeah so cleric paladin druid cleric paladin druid and to a degree wizard yeah they're the only ones yeah. I, I don't actually don't know what artificer is but yeah i mean it's it's a real uh, the one of the best things about druids is that uh, and i mean that they've just got and druids have really diverse well okay debatable they've got really good damage spells they ought to have some healing as well they're not really they're kind of a really good trade when it comes to they can you can do like right? um you can do like heal and like mask your wounds and stuff like that with, with druids yeah, I mean they don't. What, what, I'm just comparing them to like clerics. Oh, sorry, yeah, they yeah, don't yeah, have yeah. as much as clerics. Yeah, I but, would go um, like for healing. I would go like cleric druid. Yeah, pretty close behind. Yeah, I think like druids are a kind of a jack of all trades when it comes to the types of spells they get. They get like uh, some damage, some healing, some transmutation, and like you know haste and stuff like that. They they get access to as well. And they get some re- a really good diverse list of stuff. And if you want, like it's why druids are so bloody powerful. Yeah. Um, Druids, druid, it's a slow ramp, but once you hit like that level ten area with a druid, mm. it's can... like that arc where it kind of it starts off slow, but then it scales up really quickly. Yeah. You know, that kind of like that graph. Dru- druids are your anime shonen protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> for the for the first th- like three seasons, nothing happens, and then all of a sudden they unlock all their hidden powers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They get really badly beat up one day and decide to go. No, actually, I'm strong. Yeah, <laughs> so many times. Uh... Oh, do you know uh, I I bring this up weekly at this point now. Yeah, I am watching Naruto at the moment. I'm on Shippuden. Um, Shall we just Naruto start calling Na- this our weekly Naruto check-in? Yeah, we should. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I have. I I just. I wish uh, he would go full fox more often. He gets a little. He gets the eyes go go red every now and again, and he gets the the whiskers and stuff. I just wish he'd go full fox more often. Like the fox would take over. And yeah. he'd go fucking mental with him more often because I love it when he does when he gets angry, um, and you're like, oh, he's tapping into that red chakra. Let's fucking go. Uh, but then it, it doesn't, uh, it never, it doesn't happen as, as much as uh, as I would like. But anyway, that's our that's been our week, you know, weekly Naruto check. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I oh, I'm I really have to not say anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I know, I just stuff I I I know it's probably coming, but uh, I'm just impatient. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Martin, 
I have a couple of tips to throw out, and I'd like to hear fun from you if you have some prepared. Oh, by uh, all means. Uh, for ways that you can kind of manage other than CR, kind of other rules you can go by. Like, here's the thing. I, we've done a lot of talking shit about CR in this uh, episode. Um, I don't hold it against Wizards whatsoever because the game is complicated enough that there is no feasible way you could design oh, a yeah. simple system for building encounters. It's probably the best case scenario. Given the game we are trying to plan and prep and run, CR as it exists now is probably the best case scenario. It's a, it's a good guideline but it does lose a lot of its potency if you don't lo learn about a lot of other side skills to go along yeah. with it. And I think... some of the ones that I've learned, I, I wanted to, I wanted sure. to share. Uh, so the fact that action economy is way more important, you know, judge how many uh, actions or how many attacks happen on both sides of the uh, of the battlefield. That's going to help you to judge the balance of an encounter way, way more. Mm -hmm. Another one I have is, uh, I've mentioned this before, and it's one of my prouder rules when it comes to building encounters, is uh, particularly when it comes to one big monster versus the party of four or five, is uh, find out the average damage your party deals, and then multiply that by how many rounds you want the fight to last. Um, and this, this kind of breaks the rules of like what certain monsters are able to have health points-wise. But um, for, So for example, if I know that you do... 20 points of damage around, and that uh, Aerith can do 20 points of damage around, and that Wabu can do 30 points of damage around. I'm like, okay, that's 20, 20, 30. That's going to be 70 points of damage. I want this fight to last for at least six rounds. Oh, that's six too much. Uh, four rounds, right? Uh, so I'm going to say he'll need at least 200, nay, he'll need 300 hit points. You know, if it's one monster, because again, action economy wise, that monster can attack you and you on this mm -hmm. turn, and next turn it'll attack these, this person, this person, and it keeps swapping around. But every single turn, all of your attacks are aimed at this one creature. Uh, and for that reason, you need to be able to, you need to be able to tank those attacks. So giving giving a monster the uh, the hit points to to last in a fight, so you don't end up with a situation where, like like the hag, where um, <laughs> where in two rounds you get massacred uh, by the party. Melted is probably a better term. Ah, melted, melted, you get it? <laughs> digested in the stomach of a snake. No, I meant like uh, Wizard of Oz. Oh, I'm right. melting. You know that. <laughs> Uh, she was green and all. She was green. It was Wicked Witch of the West. I watched that thing. I watched that movie loads as a kid. My sister loved. Both my sisters loved that movie. Uh, so it was always on in the house, and I pretty much knew it back to front as well. Mm. Great movie. Um, another one is to add minions to your fight. So this is yes. kind of a little boss fight thing, but uh, this helps to uh, to help the action economy thing as well. So you got one big bad, right, uh, and a bunch of players uh, put. This is a thing from 4th edition. It's a thing I got from Matt Coble, because I'm watching a lot of his stuff recently. Uh, I think it's a thing from 4th edition, where you can pick any monster in the book. It has one hit point. But everything else the monster does is exactly the same. It can still roll with a plus 6 to hit, and it still does 2d10 damage when it actually hits, and all this other stuff. Um, it still has whatever auras and spells and all this other stuff it can do. So there's still a threat. But... That means that players have to try and use one of their attacks to hit this thing. And if they hit, great, it's dead. Fantastic. If they don't, they've just burnt one of their actions. Even if they hit, they've burnt an action mm. that would otherwise be used to attack the big bad. Uh, and you might think to yourself, like, oh, this, uh, why would you do that if you know the big bad is the main threat and you want to take that guy out? Why would you waste your attacks? 
uh, on something that has one hit point because they're still a threat. They can still yeah. gang up on you. They can still uh, circle around you and get like flanking and all this other stuff. Uh, even those minion characters can be uh, can be a serious threat to your party. Uh, but it, it they act as like action sponges. Yeah, where your the party has to burn actions and burn attacks to get okay. rid of these things. Otherwise, they will overwhelm them. You know, and the players just don't know they only have one hit point. Exactly, yeah. Even if the players know, I don't think it's a huge thing because, oh, again, no. if, 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 if... Sorry, go on. No, no, I was disagreeing with you. Yeah, I mean, like, even if a player knows that they only have one hit point, um, I mean, it's, again, the thing is still a threat. They may have one hit point, and you might be able to take it out easily, but you've got to burn an action or burn an attack oh, to yeah. take that creature out. Uh, maybe, maybe you don't burn your six-level slot on it, but at the same time, you know, you're still going to have to do something, and that's going to uh, increase the survivability of the main big bad in that encounter. Yeah. Even if you're not burning resources, you're burning time. Exactly, yeah. And that's what your big bad needs and the other uh, minions that are around the place needs in order to survive the encounter for longer and do more damage to the party and potentially, you know, kill them, some, kill someone or, or do this or get off a particular spell or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing about that that Koval uh, brought up in the video, I think it was one of his camp, uh, campaign diaries, um, was that when you have these creatures, obviously they only have one hit point. Mm. Normally when you do something like fireball, you take damage no matter what. Yeah. He he would change he he mentioned changing it so that uh if they succeed they just take no damage. And if they if they fail, obviously they're dead instantly because yeah. they failed. Uh, but it, it it increases their survivability a little bit and stops someone from just going Oh, so they've uh, so they're here, or whatever. Oh, I'll just fireball this entire group of minions, and it all die instantly. Some of them might survive based on their on their deck saves and stuff like that. One of the most horrifying things I've ever seen in D anD D, um, I think, it was after you left the game, Connor. But at one point, um, the sorcerer in the group in our, in my in our, my first game is Lug, twin spelled fireball on one group. Oh, I was there for that. That was we oh were climbing up the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like we were up on the wall trying to close the gate before these cavalry guys came in, and there was a bunch of guys that already got inside and were fighting us, and they were tough. Oh, they, they were actually your people. Yeah, they? they were. They were also built wrong because they were barbs that could rage in heavy armor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they, they were. They were barbs in heavy armor with a shit ton of hit points. Um, it was. Uh, oh, I forget the name of the character. Uh, uh oh, it was. Uh, it, it wasn't the Ganassi. It was the thief. Veltari. Veltari, yes. Um, yeah, and she... Technically, you can't twin spell Fireball, but we didn't know that at the time. And it, and it made for a bloody epic moment Dude, as well. If, oh, I can't reference something that is the exact moment because it'll be a spoiler. Oh, God. <laughs> God. Soon, man. Soon. You will see the moment happen and you will remember is this. the root organ? I don't... I can't specify. Okay, well, <laughs> either way. Uh, yeah, twin spelling Fireball bang bang on the mm. same group of people they took an absolute boatload of fire damage um people yeah, who people who know what i'm on about who who are listening to this now are like oh my god that was i remember that but that was nuts <laughs> <laughs> so it was so I, I very nearly like shouted out something that'll happen it's, in it's, it's obviously it's obviously the show naruto not, yeah not yeah it's character. it's yeah, it's, okay. it's, it's in shippuden but it's like hundred or so episodes away from where you are. Cool, I'll talk to you in two months. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay, <laughs> fair play. Um, but yeah, just... Yeah, sorry, I kind of lost it there after the double fireball thing. I just remembered all the dice you rolled. Holy shit. <laughs> I, I, th I, th I don't even think she rolled them 
set like one spell and then another. I think she just straight up rolled all the dice at once, and everyone was handing her her yeah. d6s to her. <laughs> oh yeah, that was um, good. I, I mean, again, there uh, I have my I have my problems with some things in that campaign, but there were some moments that were fucking gems, and that was one. I don't even care that the rule was technically yeah. that you can't do it on fireball. I don't give a shit. That was amazing because we were in yeah. dire straits. That was that a time. TPK if she didn't do that. It was it was yeah, like exactly, for a yeah. brief instant she opened a portal to hell directly on those guys. Exactly, yeah. Oh, it was so good. Um, one thing I thought of recently when it comes just, to sorry, building encounters. <laughs> Alright. Uh, one thing I thought of recently when it comes to building encounters is uh, there's some things like I put you guys up against some ogres not long ago. Well, a few months back. Yeah. Some ogres and a hill giant. Yes. Um, they're relatively low challenge rating, but they hit somewhat hard. They got 2d... 2d12, for the, sorry, I think it's 38 for the club, yeah. Oh, for the hill joint, maybe, yeah. I'm not with the ogre, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and they've got a decent chunk of hit points. Not a lot of AC, but they're like, they'll take a few hits, you know? Um, and they can be good kind of at any at any level. Um, but one thing I noticed, and they've made it super, super easy now. So in the print books, something that's not in any of the print books, and I checked a while ago on the most recent adventures as well, like all the way up to Icewind Dale, mm-hmm. they do not print the proficiency of the monsters within their stat block. You can work it out by looking at some things, but it's not yeah. printed on the stat block. Recently, they put it onto D&D Beyond so that any monster stat block you check down is yes. actually just a right of CR. You can see all the proficiency of the monsters. There is something pretty soon where you'll be able to roll monster abilities on the monster sheet. In the same way you can do with a character sheet? Yeah. That'll be so handy. Um, but I thought about tweaking that so that monster proficiency scales with party proficiency and this is this is more so i guess to kind of if you want to use lower level monsters within an encounter with higher level people yeah. but there's times when like you want you're like you go i want to use this monster and it may have like a plus five strength because it's a giant of some kind or something like that and you go this this is really powerful but then it only has a plus two proficiency because it's a relatively low level cr and you're mm-hmm. like that's only a seven and these these are level fucking 14 characters uh, but if I take the plus four or plus five proficiency and add that, suddenly they're far more likely to hit. Yeah. Uh, when you when you couple that with the with the damage and stuff, uh, so that's one thing I, I thought about. That's it, more so again for higher level parties. But yeah, I would I would going forward, I I can see myself making that a rule I do where I, every monster, because again, it's really easy when they're on D and D Beyond and right in front of you for you to go, oh, that's perfect. I can see that's a C or or that's a a plus two for the proficiency. I know the party are level. 10 so it's gonna be plus four now and that's gonna make things a lot a lot uh yeah a lot more challenging uh yeah uh, uh go on sorry <laughs> sorry i thought you we were moving on to the chair next rule <clears throat> uh, we can if you want if you uh, do you, i thought you had something to say about the proficiency oh thing. no just a I, that's a it's a spicy it sounds like a, a good way of keeping oh. things like interesting um in terms particularly if you want to like because the problem with D is a lot a lot a lot of the more fun or interesting monsters are Excuse me. Bless <coughs> me. Are in the lower. <laughs> I just at the same time you just sneeze. That's how synchronized we are. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the problem with D&D is a lot of the kind of more fun or cool or weird monsters that you want to use, um, they are in the lower tier. St- stuff like yeah. your, um, perfect example, uh, red caps. Red caps are fantastic crack to run as a DM. Um, but if you don't catch them at the right time, Unless you want it to be a complete stamp, which isn't really what you want out of a red cap encounter. Um, I th- like unless you want it to be a complete stop stamp, you you might 
like you're probably not going to get to use them or you'll only use them once or you might not get to use them as you'd hoped but i think like with that if you were to scale them with efficiency um red caps hit pretty hard but if you were to use them for a high with a higher level party with that kind of scaling i think that could work pretty well yeah i think it just keeps uh because i feel like a lot of how encounters are made are kind of it's all judged very from very much from one side players scale up and level up and that's fine and the monsters do too but not always and again mm. like you said if you sometimes you miss a certain window where you want to use this monster because it makes sense but you're like oh my party are level 14 i can't put them up against a challenge rating two monster they'll they'll annihilate it you know yeah if you want to use those monsters because they have a certain, like let's say for example you're doing a, a quest where you're going up against mind flares and it's it's level 13 14 15 you're going to want to use intellect devourer just put their level their challenge rating two uh a good way to do that would be to buff their their proficiency to accompany the fact that they are to match the player to accompany the fact that they're more challenging now you don't have to get more health points or anything necessarily but i mean it's, it's just another way you can buff things rather than just throwing hit points at something because i feel like that's a really easy and not always great solution to make yeah uh things more challenging i just had an idea there that i think could be quite good um i have told this is entirely me spitballing now um pulling out of the air but i was just thinking there um when you mentioned intellect of ours was like i suppose if you wanted to use something like an intellect of which is only cr2 and you wanted to use it for like say like a level 16 party something like in the higher in the epic level tier yeah um what you could do is you could design a scenario where there is either an artificial or man-made hazard that is the real danger and the way out is either blocked by or uh like like uh road blocked by like blocked by or like kind of made more difficult by like a small sm- smattering of intellect devourers here and there like say like say say like you're you're in an underground fortress and it's collapsing and like there's lava underneath you're trying to outrun the collapse and like lord of the ring style you're trying to run up a stair jump on to another stair but like yeah, yeah. On, on the stair you on the stairs you need to run up to jump to the next set of stairs to get out are three intellect devourers <laughs> Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think uh, you, I, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. Kind of use them always as a secondary uh, yeah. hazard as opposed to the primary thing. They're, yeah, they're totally. not, they're not the main threat. But like, when, I think if you were to put them in, like, I think even if they had fought intellect devourers before, particularly if they had fought intellect devourers before, and like someone had gotten hit bad or almost got taken over, and they're yeah. there and they're like level seventeen and they've just killed like the big bad, or they've just gotten like Indiana Jones style, they've just taken the golden golden idol off the thing and replaced it with the bag, but the track was off anyway and they're trying to get out and then in the in the way of the of the way out are these like two or three uh intellect devourers that they've gotta either bypass and sneak around or just like fight and smash and that's gonna but that's gonna buy up time from the trap or collapse that's approaching. I just thought of a really cool encounter where the interactive hour is the primary thing, but I think it'd be really interesting. Okay. So, like, imagine you go and you're you're going through a dungeon, room to room, you know, whatever, clearing it out. You open up one door and look in, and it's a room like filled with maybe maybe cages or something like that. But in the very center of the room, or in this far corner of the room, there is a cage with an interactive hour in it. And the room is only big enough so that the interactive hour can pretty much hit you anywhere in the room. Oh, that's evil. And, and you're kind of just there and you're like, I don't want to go in there. No. And, and, they, and everyone in the party is like, well, I'm not going in there. Because if one person goes in, all it takes is one bad roll and they could be Ooh. unconscious. And then the next round, they're taken over. And it'd be a case of, how do we, who, like, can we hit it from a distance? <laughs> or, you know, what do we yeah. do? Like, but like, no one's going to want to go in that room, even though it's not, so it's, it's like a slower hazard. 
yeah. it's not coming right after you, but like we need to go forward and we need to do something about this guy over here because if we go in there, he's going to see us immediately and try and do the thing to us. Yeah, yeah, man. Int- intellect of ours really are very, very John Carpenter. Now that I think it was like when you said, you know, like it's in the, there's one room in a cage. I was like, mm. all the other cages on the other All side the dogs. are dogs, and like the yeah, the, yeah. the intellect of our gets out of its cage by swapping its brain itself with the brain of one of the dogs, and then the dog gets taken out, and then the intellect of our kills everybody. Yeah, yeah, very, very well, thing. Even how even how it moves because it was the dog first, and then it wasn't the people. Yeah, uh, I have one more thing. Uh, all, I can, all I can think of before the in, podcast. In, in um, the words of Jackie Chan's uncle. Yeah, one more thing. <laughs> show is, that show is so damn Oh, good. so great. All the talismans. And all, I love the different types of, what are they called? The shadows? There was the Shadow Khan when they were doing the Chinese um, themed villains. And then they were the Shadow, they were the Oni who were the Jap when they started doing the Japanese ones. Okay, so it was the, I think it was the Shadow Khan, because I think, wasn't there different types of Shadow Khan for yeah. every different mask or something? Sorry, that was it. You're, that, that was it. Sorry, yeah. So the, the only, there was a different, there was, there was like 12 or 13 only masks, and each of them had their own kind of Shadow Khan. Yes, exactly. Because I just remember, I think it's the very last episode, or, or one of the last episodes of that season, where they're collecting all the masks, and the, the last mask gets split in two, and someone gets, two people get one half each. And they have half a Shadow Khan fighting, but they, yes. they they look they have these huge crab claws, and then they have like these weird long legs and stuff. They're really tall, but you have half and half fighting. And at some point in the episode, someone gets the full mask and puts it on and has these crab claw Shadow Khan. They were awesome. They oh, I should look back up. I need to see if that's up on like cool. Disney Plus or something. Goddamn, yeah, yeah, oh, they're really good, really good. Uh, but yeah, that, so my la- yeah. last thing I wanted to to, to look at. Uh, and it, again, it's all about action economy. I think action economy speaks way more for any encounter. So you have what? Uh, actually, look at the average. Oh, sorry, yeah. Look at the action economy. How many attacks have been done in a round? Add minions in to sponge up actions and attacks from players to you know, offset that. Mm. Um, and then the last one is to give, particularly if it's a, a, a boss or a, just a, a, ba- a single bad guy, like a single monster, and give them legendary actions and layer actions. Make them up if you have to. Uh, but that's going to allow them to act on other people's turns. That's mm-hmm. a great way to offset the fact that you have four players each doing two attacks, and this monster only does two. That's fine. Give them a give them fucking six uh, legendary actions that they can take in a round, <laughs> uh, and then that will offset. So they're attacking at the end of every person's turn again. You know, um, that might be overdoing it. I need to look at the numbers, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that could be really really cool. Um, to be able to i i just think that again it buffs them out it makes them seem like and it also it kind of informs your players especially as they're seasoned players when you hear that someone has like legendary anything you're mm. like oh this guy's relevant or this guy this guy's oh, yeah. not boss he's not just a grunt this guy means something he's he's got a uh, training or whatever uh i think i think it just goes a, a long way towards uh helping out the action economy and very and much sets a tone that guy well. more to do totally yeah that this is not just a, a throwaway encounter this encounter is relevant and it means something and there's consequences to it potentially as well i am so looking forward to the day i get to use legendary resistances just for the looks of yeah he passes but you're all the one yeah he passes i <laughs> 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 yeah uh, i remember actually i i had a great thing about that because i had uh when when i did a final fight first campaign with you guys and mm-hmm. um, Actually, here's a good story about action economy, <laughs> because you guys were yeah. so OP by the end of that campaign. You were level twenty. You had a ton of different magic items to give you resistance and double, and you know, increase your AC 
um, give you extra attack damage. You're all plus two and three and uh, weapons and stuff like that. That was crazy. Um, all that stuff, right? Uh, the very last fight, first of all, you fought like two Maruts, which if you're not familiar, go into D&D Beyond and look these guys up. They don't roll to attack. They just hit you. And you don't roll damage dice. You just, they do like a flat 60 damage with every attack. 60 points of force. There's no roll. I, I, I would literally, on the first time I introduced one of these guys, I was like, he attacks you and does 60 damage. And you kind of, I remember it was you. Someone in the party looked at me like, you didn't roll anything. I'm like, I don't have to. These guys are from the plane of order. They automatically hit. If they choose to hit you, they hit you. And they don't roll dice. They just do 60 damage every single time. And it's force um, as well. It was force as well. These guys are absolutely insane. I put you up against two of them, plus the big bad. And the big bad, because I needed him to have more to do, because again, you guys are so powerful, and there was five of you. And he had two actions. And I let him I let him cast more than one spell in every turn. And I also gave him more spell slots. He had like six first levels and like two ninths. Um, uh, so he had way more spell slots. He had way more... He had two actions and could cast two spells if he wanted to. Not not like a spell and a cantrip. It could be two... He could cast a fifth and a seventh of a spell if he wanted to. No problem. Uh, he could also concentrate on more than one spell at a time. Uh, and then on top of all that... And this is why I remembered. I gave him five legendary resistances. And I remember you guys fighting him and burning out his resistances. And after the third one was gone, someone was like, that's it. He's out of them. Now we can hit him with the good stuff, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then the first time they hit, uh, I rolled. And then you guys were like, and then he failed. And everyone's like, yeah. I'm like, he's going to use another legendary resistance. And you guys are like, how many does he have? And I'm like, he has five. <laughs> uh, but again, mo most monsters only has three yeah. legendary resistances yeah. at most. And I, But I was like, you, you guys are so powerful. I needed to keep you on your toes. Um, on our toes we were kept <laughs> that last fight I mean e even with all that you still came out no problem I feeble minded the sorcerer he couldn't cast spells I, I again two maruts is a lot like a, a serious amount of damage to be putting out um, oh, there was so much stuff there was so much stuff in that last fight but again things got a little bit away from me in that campaign I had to do X, Y, and Z to try and keep the action economy balanced so you guys were actually challenged by what was happening in the game. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's... Uh, it, it. It's It's like... It's just like an eternal balancing act, which is appropriate, I suppose, because you are balancing. But, like... Um, yeah, I suppose what I do a lot, and it's just generally how I do it now, is I just look for stuff that appeals to me. And, like... Like, I'll usually have, like, an idea... Or even just a vague concept of like what sort of thing I want them want to put them up against. Even if it's just for like a regular encounter. I'll just have an idea. And then I'll basically go, right, what kind of encounter do I want this to be? Do I want this to be something they breeze through? So that it's noticeably easy. And that maybe leads to a bigger fight down the road. And it's like a hint of what's going on in the area. Do I want it to be like a medium fight? Where, again, they'll probably still breeze through it but a little bit a little bit tougher maybe for the same purposes or you, you maybe just want to wear them down a little bit or it's like yeah like they're they're or like so the part you're like attacking a fortress and your first encounter is going to be maybe the, the watch guards and they're not very well trained not very well armed so they're a lower cr and it leads into a bigger thing um and <clears> then with ha and then like see pretty much all i do now is uh, all the big encounters anyway are deadly and the lowest i go is is hard um on the difficulty of encounters just because of my my party's level um they're level 11 they're killed out with magic items um 
so it is it is a thing but i think like personally for me anyway the best way i find i find to build an encounter is i will put the cr thing on i'll go i'll go for like a general cr range i want so like say if it's a boss encounter and i'm trying to work out on like a future boss encounter i'd be like okay say they're level 11 i'll i'll look at stuff between like cr 9 and cr like 13 and yeah. I'll, I'll have a look at everything that's available there and based on you know where they are and what would be there and if i can't find that i'll nudge the cr level up another bit and I'll see if anything appeals me there. And if it can't, like, I'll have basically have a range. So, like, I'll go from, like, 9 to 13, but I might creep it up to 15 over the course of making the encounter just so I can find maybe something a little better. And you can, like, the DMG has a lot of uh, info about, like, oh, do you know, if you think your monster is a little bit weak, add some more health to it. Maybe if you think it's a bit strong, strip back some of the damage, strip down some of the hit points if it's a monster yeah. that you really, really want to use. Um, there's even reduced threat versions of certain monsters in... Um, yeah. the in 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 the monster manual on D and D beyond in the monster section that you can use off the top of my head, I know an Abolith is one of them, and that's a fucking great monster to use as a villain. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I just thought of something there actually. Um, when you mentioned it, um, that completely went over my head. Um, if you're putting your players up against something, uh, any sort of encounter, uh, you also need to factor in the what came before, uh, but burning resources. Yeah. Um, and I completely went over my head when I was planning this. Yeah. Um, you need to, like you said, if you're putting up against a boss encounter, can I keep in mind that they had to fight the guards on the outer wall? Then they had to fight the knight that was in the great hall, and then when they finally get to the roof of the of the keep and they're fighting the big bad, they've probably taken a couple hits and burnt a couple of key points or spell slots or whatever. Um, so that's something to factor in as well and keep an eye on. Oh. Um, is that something might seem super easy or just about right? Like this is just on the what you would deem on the deadly level for mm -hmm. your party. And if you go, that's perfect, they'll be able to handle that, no problem. But if they've got two other encounters beforehand leading up to that, that could actually be a lot tougher than it seems. Yeah, and I think one thing to keep in mind as well, and I only, I'm only thinking now because it's something I didn't keep in mind for a my last big boss fight that I did, and it artificially made things harder, was I only made the room for that boss fight like 60 foot square, or like uh, it was only like 50 foot across wide. So... Uh, my spellcasters couldn't use a lot of their oh, AOE yeah. damage. I didn't. I didn't even realize I was doing it until afterwards. When I didn't, yeah. I, I was like, "Oh, geez, they're not casting like fireball or anything." And I was chatting there afterwards, like, "Oh, yeah, I didn't want to do it because anywhere I dropped the fireball, I would hit someone." Like, yeah. Um. And so I think, like, uh, even when you're like actually like drawing out the map, the battle map, or or, or whatever area you're going to have the combat encounter in, definitely, uh, at least spend like a minute or two just thinking about like making sure that your party is enough space to operate unless you specifically want to limit the amount of space they have that can be a big thing yeah i mean like you you're talking about doing that so like you didn't mean to but that mm. can be really good if you're like i don't want my players using uh fireball or cloud kill or any of these spells that they're kind of using and that's fine to use it outdoors and you know whatever but i'm like i purposely put them in a small corridor with two rooms leading off it because i don't want them blasting the entire area it'll hit them or it'll hit their allies um, another thing you can do, and I've done it from time to time as well, because we have um, Arkham in our party has a broom. He's pretty much always flying. I've started incorporating more ranged, uh, capable fighters in the party. You know, think people who have bows or spells mm -hmm. that can be used at range. Or I put you guys indoors in a narrow corridor or something like that, where you even if you're flying, you're not higher than ten feet because yeah. you know the corridor is only ten foot high, uh, and you can do stuff like that to. Not to, I don't want to say stifle your party, but to challenge them in other ways. You know, like you fly the whole time. Hey, when you're outdoors, by all means, fly up as high as you want and blast people from the air. Fantastic, great tactic. 
occasionally there's going to be situations where you're inside the tavern and the roof is the ceiling's not yeah. that high or something like that and then you need to the, it, you can hover at the ceiling level if you want yeah. but there's going to be people that are able to swing upwards at you with melee weapons still you know so that can yeah. be um or one day you'll be, be outside issue, yeah. sitting on the broom happy out blasting away and then a shadow passes overhead and you feel talons on your shoulders <laughs> <laughs> you know absolutely you're writing uh, that one down are you <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but Martin yes Connor that's all the time we have for today shit uh, sorry oh, I'm, just, I, I, I'm just in that kind of a mood I was watching a bunch of scary movie clips earlier in the day to make myself laugh so was I <laughs> That's so I weird. One, I saw one clip. I saw the one where the two, it's Kevin Hart and the other fella, and they're like, Oh my God, it is Kevin Hart. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and he's all like, My friend watched that thing last week, and then he woke up dead. He's like, How the hell would he wake up dead? And it's like, Because he, he was alive when he went to sleep, but then he died in his sleep. But yeah, but then he wouldn't wake up and then go back and forth. It's a really stupid scene, but it's really funny. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <clears throat> that, was a, that was a blast, man. Um, I, I was I was actually to be honest I didn't think I would have as much to say about CR as I did over the course of this um but yeah apparently I do and just the great thing about D&D even sometimes if you do get the CR a little bit too high or a little bit too low it can end up making a very memorable moment <laughs> yeah absolutely um it, sometimes it works out great uh sometimes it works out bad but you know it, maybe the fight ends way too quick but you get a memorable story out of it um, I actually, I, I didn't think I had a huge amount to say about this, but I watched a video during the week by XP to level three, and he had a video that was CR makes no sense. It's very funny. You should definitely go watch it. Um, See, but it, it, can it, recommend. Yeah, absolutely. It's really, really funny. Uh, and they do comedy sketches like this the whole time, and I really enjoy them because they're really true to the game. Uh, so in it, he had like them fight something, and then that was they wiped the floor with it, and then he had them fight this thing that should be within their range, but completely wiped them out in a second. And then, like, nothing made sense in terms of the CR thing. Um, and that's what gave me an idea for this for this episode. Uh, I just thought it'd be interesting to examine why it doesn't work and how it is useful and maybe other ways that we can judge our... Um, other ways that we can judge our, our encounters other than uh, simply uh, using these uh, the CR rules and the encounter building rules in the DMG. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely worth going over. It's, I think it's the thing a lot of people are kind of either nervous about or struggling a little bit. Yeah, it can be tricky early on, but um, but I think it, uh, practice makes perfect and all that jazz, and it really does. And like I said, feel free to use uh, CR for early encounters, um, but you you Ooh. will get the feel first. Any DM will get the feel for what works and what doesn't, and what's too strong. Uh, it's like a it's like a sixth sense after a while. Yeah. You really get used to it. If I make a recommendation, uh, if, you... oh, if I make a recommendation as well, real quick, uh, if you're a mm-hmm. DM with a Reddit account, r slash behind the screen is a really nice community of dms on reddit where you can ask um, for help or advice so if you're if you don't know any other dms but you want to maybe have another dm take a look at something you've made um if you're not sure of it particularly like a combat encounter you may be nervous about you could post that to r slash behind the screen and ask for some people's uh, opinions and advice on that and yeah they're from my experience using it the people there are generally pretty nice that's really cool that's really good to know uh, if you have any questions you'd like to ask, stories you'd like to share, or topics you would like us to cover, please tweet us at MikeFlairsPod on Twitter. You'll mm-hmm. find that on the lower screen. Uh, you can also find our podcast on YouTube and Spotify. Uh, Martin, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, like yourself, mostly on the Mike Flares podcast. Uh, but other than that, uh, you can find me on Twitter at So Sorry It's Over, which is 
boom, right down in that corner there. Um, and yeah, still, still kind of spotty with Twitch. So ma- mainly, mainly on the podcast end and on Twitter. Cool. Uh, you guys can find me uh, on Twitter at zero point Connor Z E R O P O I N T C O N O R one N. Very important. And also here on the Mike Flares podcast every Friday at six p.m. Irish time. Uh, so guys, thank you so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, it's a goodbye from me and a goodbye from Martin. Bye. And we'll see you all next time. Later, folks.